Welcome everybody to our newest podcast for the future of insurance industry leaders. I'm really pleased today to have Chad Hirsch, Vice President uh, for Insurance, leading the LNA practice at Capgemini. Chad, welcome. Thank you, Denise. So, Chad, we've known each other for a long time, but you know, let's have you introduce yourself and give a little bit of background because you've got a really kind of diverse background and talk about what you've been doing around innovation at uh, Capgemini. Sure, and, and some might say we've known each other too long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that that's a little bit of that too, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> so, as as you all know, uh, you know, I spent my first few years out of college uh, in IT management consulting. Uh, pretty generically across industries. And I, I got into the insurance industry when I joined uh, AIG American General. And uh, I was the e-business director there across all the, the different distribution channels. And uh, while I really liked having a bit of an impact on an, on an insurer in that space, what I didn't like was that I was only having an impact on one insurer. And so I decided to become an industry analyst uh, where I could try to impact the industry much more broadly and get the industry to focus on modernization. So I, I did that first at, at Celent for about five years, and I left there to help start Navarica, uh, where I was for about six years and left as a managing director at Navarica. For the entire 11 years, uh, I was an industry analyst. I focused pretty heavily on core systems, emerging technologies, and generally getting insurers to realize they needed to modernize. And that was great, except that, especially in the group space, the answer was so often, yes, you need to buy a new core system. No, there's not really one for you. A few years ago, I, I joined Majesco, decided to help build a platform uh, for life and group insurers. So I headed up the, uh, the global life business at Majesco for, for about three years. And uh, one of the things I learned during my time at Majesco was, one, I could uh, help build a, a modern platform that would help the industry. Uh, but I also learned that the services side of the industry was challenging because there were very few SIs focusing on life insurance and fewer still on the group side of the life business. I joined Capgemini uh, about uh, two and a half uh, years ago to help change that. Uh, we've since partnered with Majesco and are heavily focused on building out the LNA business, which at, uh, at Capgemini is already pretty big, but uh, we're looking to grow that even further, and that's my role here. I uh, head up our life annuities, pensions, uh, group benefits, related aspects of, of the business for North America and in UK here. Now, in terms of innovation, you know, what I've found is that you know, for almost my entire career in, in insurance, I've tried to stay close to innovation in a bunch of different ways. Uh, over the last few years, that's largely been um, advising and partnering with InsurTechs but also helping to solution innovative concepts for insurers, things like the Majesco platform, things like um, our open insurer platform here at Capgemini and other, other types of, of solutions that help insurers get from uh, where they are today to a, a flexible, agile, nimble place that they need to be in for the future. You know, I, I look back and I uh, think, you know, both of us came as industry analysts. We often joke about that, don't we, Chad? But it gave us a different kind of perspective on things. I think, you know, that really uh, provides, I think, some different kinds of insights. And I look back five years ago when InsurTech was first starting. Do you remember where um, it was about in um, early 2016, the first InsurTech conferences were starting and everybody was starting to talk about it. And it was like everything went dead quiet. 
everybody was like pausing to try to figure out what this whole insure tech thing meant because lemonade was coming out and you know root was coming out and a number of these different insure techs and i think five years later there's been a real positive impact for insure tech into the industry to get us to kind of wake up and say hey things do need to change customers are expecting and demanding something more what have you seen from an insure tech standpoint and what do you think the value has been to really kind of drive innovation in the industry, Chad? So, you know, the great thing about being an industry analyst is that you get to have a constant outside in view. You get to be forward thinking, but you still get to be cynical. And, uh -huh. you know, I, I think that's actually valuable because so much of insure tech, you know, the early promise was really that it was going to turn insurance on its head you know, today's carriers would be completely displaced, you know, by startups and, and by greenfields and agents were going to go away and be replaced with online distribution and everything would be the direct model and so on. And if you think about what insurtechs have done to the industry, they've had a, a huge impact, but not really that way, right? So the, the magic of an insurtech isn't that a startup insurer is going to come eat a legacy player's lunch. It tends to be that it's a startup carrier that another uh, insurer can buy. It's not a completely new distribution channel uh, that replaces an existing distribution channel. It's often a new distribution channel that's in addition to the existing distribution channels. There are a lot of insure techs doing a lot of different things and together those pieces can have a large impact on a carrier's operations and technology, but it's not a uh, and it's not a silver bullet. It's not a magic, you know, a, a, a magic tool that carriers have to fix broken business processes. It's an arrow and a quiver, right? So mm -hmm. insurers have to fix their business processes still. They still have to expand distribution channels. They still have to figure out how to deal with becoming customer centric. There's a lot of things they still have to do from, from an IT and operations perspective, but insurtech tools are helping them get there faster than ever before. And I think that's the magic of mature tech. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that perspective that you and I have, having been industry analysts, is that outside-in perspective. I think that's what has really been a key learning for many insurers that insurtechs took. They took a customer view first rather than an internal view. So, you know, as I think about other change over the last three to five years particularly, We've seen a lot of change in the L&A market segment, you know, for both individual products to group, to benefits. Some of that was driven by some regulatory change that we all know about. And some of it's been driven by, you know, new types of demographics with a younger generation in the workforce and a different set of expectations of the types of benefits that they want. And particularly prior to COVID-19, you know, with a really hot market to try to attract talent. Benefits have become a really powerful aspect of being able to pull people into companies. Give your perspective, because you've been involved inside an insurer and, and at a technology company and an industry analyst, and now at Capgemini from a services standpoint, give your view of all of this. Sure. I mean, you know, look, the, the life industry has been grappling with, you know, what to do to keep up with with changes in, in technology and to keep up with changes in uh, demographics and you know outside competitors and things like that for decades right unfortunately because the life industry is so prone to external market forces these changes have often been put off uh, throughout the years right 
you had the, the financial crisis, you had the Great Recession, the aftermath of the Great Recession, 9-11, you know, now COVID. So these, these changes tend to get put off for several years after these uh, crises pass. And so very little progress got made over the years in modernizing life insurers. But what we tend to see nowadays is two things. One, individual life insurers are starting to figure out ways to work around conversion, whether that's putting in a greenfield platform, TPAing out certain blocks of business, uh, taking a more pragmatic 80-20 conversion approach, selling off blocks of business, take, take your pick. And they're starting to, to really start to get a little bit of momentum in replacing core systems. On the group side, over the last few years, um, those, those employment growth numbers have been tremendous, uh, a push towards voluntary benefits, um, which is sort of a no-cost way for employers to extend, expand their benefits. And as you said, as in part to attract talent and in part to um, address changes in the healthcare market. You know, you look at all these things that are are driving insurers and group insurers have uh, suddenly become ripe for these changes as well. One of the interesting things, uh, for, for lack of a better term, about this industry, there's very much a um, fast follower mentality. Nobody really wants to be first. Everybody really wants to be doing whatever the most successful guy is doing right ahead of them. And so when you see programs like MetLife Small Business Digital come to the market, other carriers start to feel the pressure. They know that it's going to be challenging to deal with a carrier that, that can provide straight through processing, auto adjudication of claims, uh, rapid product development, rapid product enhancements, better underwriting data. So that tends to drive change probably more than anything else is when one company does it well. You know, we're working with carriers both tactically and strategically uh, to help them transform both operations and technology. And one of the, the truisms is that you really can't typically fix the operations without fixing the technology. You know, the way we've figured out how to best do that is we leverage a modern platform like Majesco as the, you know, the, sort of the heart of a, of a full-scale transformation, a business transformation, in order to address the fact that you really can't solve the business problems without solving the technology problems. And what I mean by that is, you know, if, if you're going to solve a company's operations problems, uh, they've got to be able to change their business processes flexibly. They've got to be able to build new insurance products that make sense for the market, not that that can be shoehorned into their system. Uh, they need to be able to combine products. They need to be able to focus on customer needs, agent needs, not on what IT can and can't give them. And so by working with you know, a platform like Majesco, uh, we're able to help get them to a place where they can do those things and not be concerned about the technology. And in fact, one of the things that we've we've done is created an offering where we use, you know, we can use the Majesco platform at, in our TPA as part of a BPO option and so on. So that the insurer doesn't even need to think about the technology. They just have to worry about the products and the operations. And actually we can even help them do the operations through our BPO and TPA. So, you know, they can just worry about product and distribution and we take care of the rest. And that's a kind of a shortcut to get to uh, a transformation. But, you know, broadly speaking, we also work with, with uh, Majesco and other partners to make sure that we can address their technology needs, even if they're only using us for the technology needs. So in other words, uh, say, for example, helping to implement Majesco or integrate Majesco 
uh, would be a great example of that. Yeah, I think the, um, you and I talked about this, um, you know, for the L&A industry, having both of us come from it from the business side um, years ago, um, you know, today, because there's such a long tail with, and lots of history uh, for some of the products uh, and some of the policies that, that have been uh, put on the platform decades ago, you know, there's a lot of challenges there. And, and um, you know, for companies to really figure out what kind of an insurance company are they going to be in the future? They've got to kind of figure out what products and what markets they're really going to go after. And so, you know, we're seeing in the marketplace, some people selling some books of business because they're no longer really going to be focused on that. They're leveraging a BPO or a TPA to manage those policies in the business and customers they want to retain, but they want to do it much more cost effectively. And then on the other hand, they're also looking at creating a whole different operating model that has a different cost structure associated to it and different kinds of products for this kind of new generation. And so when you see all of that, there's really been a lot of, and particularly in group and voluntary benefits, there's been some really interesting and exciting things kind of happening on a product perspective and from an operating perspective. What do you see as the real strategic value for insurers to kind of look at those options and look at considering Majesco's core and our partnership together that can really kind of handle all kind of three, uh, you know, those, those different dimensions, both an operational innovation, but also a strategic innovation, Chad. So I think there's, there's two aspects to this. One is, you know, the individual side where conversion may be very cost prohibitive and they need, the carrier needs to look at alternatives to simply saying, we're going to put in a new platform and we're going to convert everything. Oftentimes that just is either too great a risk, too cost prohibitive, takes too long, take your pick of the, of the challenges. And in those cases, you know, it may make sense to convert about 80% of that business, but then 20% of it needs to be dealt with some other way. Uh, that could be something like a point in time conversion, but it, it could be something instead like turning that over to a TPA or a BPO that has a modern flexible platform to sort of absorb any you know blocks of business that are uh, challenging to convert. So there's there's that aspect on the individual side. On the group side, you know it it's well I'll, I'll actually come back to the individual again in a second because there's another another aspect of that that's that's key. Sure. Um, but you know on the group side, uh, launching new products tends to be a, a real challenge for insurers. Uh, they tend to have very old platforms on the group side. And new products are often driven by regulatory changes. So changes in um, uh, Medicare, changes in the health, uh, you know, the health healthcare exchanges uh, or other healthcare laws, changes to uh, the broader economy where sometimes employers want to uh, compete for talent with new benefits. Sometimes they want to reduce their costs of benefits. So there's all kinds of, of macro factors that Im impact group. And the ability to launch a new product quickly and easily may be best served by a TPA or via BPO option where somebody like Capgemini, who's got a TPA and BPO capabilities, uh, takes a modern platform like Majesco and gets that product out the door quickly with our operations, our combined IT with Majesco, and can have a platform and a product up and ready to run with both technology and operations in a matter of, uh, you know, weeks, not years. And so, you know, that's, I think, one of the, the key things that's been lacking in the market for a long time because TPAs have historically used 
uh, legacy platforms, uh, BPO providers have, have typically insisted that you have a platform ready and waiting for them. So this combination that, that we've created together with Majesco is very, very potent because it, it creates new opportunities in the market for an insurer. And you know, if you think about the options that have historically been available, uh, it's things like ITO, uh, somebody comes in and takes over your platform. It's BPO, somebody comes in and takes over your operations. It's CPA, where you go with the, the service providers, technology and operations. Uh, we've tried to break all this apart and create something much more flexible. Uh, you can do your operations with Capgemini, you can do your technology with Majesco, but then you can combine them. Um, and that's a, a really key differentiator in the market is that you can pick and choose all the parts that you want to manage yourself as an insurer and, and let the rest be handled by, by folks that have a lot of experience doing that. So it really shortens the time to get a new product to market while decreasing the risk of that pretty dramatically and still gives you a modern platform uh, that you can then leverage for other products as you go forward. In many ways, Chad, um, the options available for insurers today to finally address their legacy debt problem is pretty phenomenal, actually. Yeah, it's a big change. And, and I think that uh, one of the more exciting things that often gets overlooked, because we've had portals for years and years, you know, in, in, in principle anyway, is that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, website okay. is not a portal. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> that that cynical part of the analyst thing is still in me. Um, so if you look at at uh, you know what carriers have done over the years with with you know quote unquote portals, right? They've they've created websites that are you know partly transactional and, and have inquiry capabilities, but they're they're not really full fledged portals the way we always talked about them being there. And so what's exciting for me is something like Majesco Digital First that is you know truly microservices enabled has some insurance capabilities built in, uh, really shortens the timeline to get a, a portal up and running without sacrificing the things that a portal should do, right? Like incorporating other, other services into it. You know, to me, that, that makes a huge difference in the ability to say wrap an existing legacy platform while you're doing these other things, whether that's you know, implementing the, the platform, uh, whether it's uh, you know, bringing on a TPA or BPO solution, um, and, and covering that up, the, you know, covering the construction up so that uh, while the construction is going on, it still feels like, uh, you know, the, the change has already been made from the, the customer side and the agent side. And when the work's done on the back end, it just works even better. So I think that's, I th that's been another huge change. I, I agree. And I think that it's just the start of change, um, you know, because it's so much more than a portal. That's really um, laying down a foundation. And hopefully you've, you've picked the right kind of solution to lay out that foundation because you really need to expand beyond that. And when you kind of look at it from an LNA group and benefits and individual perspective, it's no longer about just having a portal or a mobile app that I can just kind of do a quote and a buy, or I can service, or I can do a first notice of loss, like say, for example, if you had DI, but it's really about creating a broader customer experience. And it's really about wealth, health, and wellness. And how do you then through a digital experience platform, like a digital first, be able to create a broader experience with APIs that link into different kinds of services, maybe discounts, maybe wellness uh, credits, maybe uh, rewards, all kinds of things that are going to really change people's lives in a much bigger way than just a portal. So if you're not thinking of that in that way, um, you're really going to miss out on where the industry, I think, is going and where customer expectations are going. 
So yeah, I think customer experience is is really underrated as a, as a key aspect of where insurance is going. I think that if you think about the past, oh gosh, um, let's say five years or so, particularly on the life side, uh, you know, there's been a bit of a push and pull with the notion that the agent owns the customer, right? And so more and more insurers are moving to a direct or pseudo direct model in which for simpler products, the agent may or may not be involved in the sales process, servicing of basic things like address changes and so on. So if you think about the, uh, the, the change that needs to happen so fundamentally at an insurer in how they get to know their customers, uh, there's this whole, you know, this whole problem in, in the life space that oftentimes you don't engage with a customer for, for ages because uh, people buy life insurance and they forget about it. And sometimes that's for the best for an insurer, right? Because uh, they don't want the policy to, uh, to lapse. And so sometimes bringing it to people's attention is not the best thing. Um, most people just put it on auto pay and forget about it for, for years. Um, so if you think about how do you engage your customers so that you can, uh, make sure that those that you don't want to lapse don't lapse and, and that, uh, you know, those customers that are less profitable, you're not spending your time on as much and so on. Uh, that's something that's pretty new to this industry and being able to engage with them digitally is arguably one of the best ways to, to be engaged with them because that's what customers want primarily for most things, uh, for things where they want a high touch, that's actually a great place for an agent. Um, so, you know, to go to a point where you're customer centric, but without having to invest heavily in a, uh, you know, a customer facing channel like call centers and things like that, great digital capabilities are needed. Now that's great. But if you don't also have a, a modern backend platform that can also be disastrous, right? used to tell a story it's it's a little outdated now because it's on the pnc side and this this doesn't happen very much on the pnc side anymore but i remember when i had a uh, claim i needed to file uh at uh for a broken windshield and i was leaving town going out of the country the next day and so i tried to file it at about one o'clock in the morning and i'd seen my i'd seen the carrier's commercials tv for years saying call click or connect it doesn't matter which one uh, but I went on the website and, and it said, uh, you know, sorry, our website is closed from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. for routine maintenance. Um, and, and that's, you know, if you have batch windows, that's pretty normal. I had another experience uh, filing a claim with a different carrier where in the middle of a phone call on a Sunday afternoon, uh, the claims adjuster basically said an expletive I won't repeat. And, uh, <laughs> and I you know, said, what's, what's, what's going on? And she said, oh, I'm sorry, our, our system's just, just shut down for maintenance for the rest of the day. And she said, don't worry, I'll write down all your information and it'll get put in on Monday. And I thought, wow, wow. That's, that's something that, that, that you know, just doesn't happen much in, in the modern world, right? So I, I think that the customer experience is, is a huge part of where carriers need to invest their, their time, effort, and money. And you know, I think that, that we're starting to see that. I mean, we, we saw that for, for a long time on the PNC side and it's there now. On the life side, we're, that, that is definitely still an ongoing investment. I couldn't agree more. As we uh, kind of think about the future of insurance, how would you describe the future of insurance, Chad? 
you know, I think that it's going to be interesting, right? If you think about reinsurers as a category, right? Historically, they've been, you know, behind the scenes, underwriting risk, and, you know, that's been their role. Uh, sometimes they provide guidelines and underwriting manuals and, and sometimes even underwriting software to, you know, I hate to say uh, enforce those, those models, but, you know, that's essentially what they were doing. But if you think about what they've been doing in the last few years, it's really quite different, although they continue to do that work. They've been testing the waters uh, for a while now on how they can work around primary insurers. And this is really interesting because they're, they're working with insurtechs to sort of underwrite the risks that insurtechs are, are you know, when, the, when you get these startup carriers, um, oftentimes they're, they're really all the underwriting and, and risk is being managed by a reinsurer. Some of the reinsurers have started uh, their own primary insurance, primary insurance group or, or division, whatever you want to call it, uh, like uh, IPTQ from uh, Swiss Re, for example. Uh-huh. And, you know, the, that's not a coincidence, right? What they've realized is they have all the data. They have all the information, better business. And when they look at uh, the primary insurers that they work with, they have less control over the, the underwriting risk that they're taking on when they write it through a primary insurer. Uh, they don't get to market it. They don't get to, you know, collect all of the data because they're limited to what the carriers are collecting. So this is, this is an interesting model for them. And I think the, the most recent one that I've seen that's interesting is, is, not, a, is not with a reinsurer. It's uh, Amazon and Goldman Sachs. And there's talk of them partnering to, uh, to sell you know, insurance that's underwritten by Goldman and marketed by, uh, by Amazon. You know, remains to be seen, you know, what that'll, what that'll really end up doing. But Google Don't forget Berkshire Hathaway in the middle of all of that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Berkshire, exactly. Exactly. Um, you, you, you've got, uh, you know, Google who, who has, you know, from time to time bought insurance brokers. You know, some of that's just, just looking at, at, you know, data and how they can use data to, to market and so on. You know, Google had a comparison site for a little while. You look at, at, at what's out there, and I don't worry so much that, you know, the next, you know, the next AIG or the next uh, MetLife is going to be uh, an, an tech. I, I, I think it's, it's probably going to come from reinsurance or finance uh, or big tech or some combination of those. And, you know, I, I think that when you've got an industry that's resource intensive as LNA, uh, but has the potential to drive, you know, long-term returns if it's done right, uh, that can be very, very appealing to, to outsiders, um, especially when it would be easy enough to trounce competitors on the technology side. So I, I, I can't emphasize enough how critical it is that in, insurers don't fall so far behind that they can't compete with that. So what advice would you give to insurers starting this new decade? I think that I'd start by telling them, you know, almost universally, almost no matter who I'm talking to in the life insurance space, you're years behind where you should be uh, in terms of, of both your systems and your business processes and, and the revamping of those. I, I can't really think of an example, you know, other than startups where, where that doesn't apply. And I can't come up with one, which is a terrible sign. If I think about that, then, you know, you've got some carriers that implemented modern core platforms. So how can this be, right? Well, 
most of the ones that put in modern core platforms didn't replace all their core flat platforms. So they still got legacy debt. Um, in a lot of the cases where they implemented a core platform, they didn't change their business processes uh, to take advantage of those new core platforms. So their business processes still need revamping. Even those that did both revamping of business processes and platforms oftentimes didn't then take further advantage of that and revamp their product sets, right? right. How many carriers have you seen that really have taken all the, the taken full advantage of the flexibility of a new platform and, and new business processes and come out with really cool products that appeal to the market? You know, not, not really. I mean, even if you look at the Havens and the Ladders and the Ethos, you know, they're getting closer, but they're not, you know, they're still not products that uh, millennials jump on and say, yeah, that makes sense to me. So I, I think that insurers, the advice I'd give them is get on it, uh, you know, get moving because somebody's going to do that and somebody's going to have a tremendous amount of success doing that. And if you haven't done all three of those things, it's not going to be you. Yeah. And it even, and it ties into also the AMBEST innovation ratings, you know, that Mm -hmm. You got to, you got to do with your current business, you know, you've got to somehow optimize that. And in some cases do a little bit of innovation, but you got to start thinking about that future business because there are a lot of companies that are beginning to think about that future business because we have a whole different demographic who's going to be buying. We have different technology. We have different market boundaries, you know, different people entering into the bit into it and different channels. I mean, everything is, is going to be radically different. Well, and when they started those innovation uh, ratings, uh, you know, I think everybody kind of took it as a, oh yeah, they're trying to stay relevant kind of thing. But Ew. in reality, uh, it turns out, you know, there's there's something to that. Uh, in innovation is uh, maybe a better way to phrase it is lack of innovation can kill an insurer. So, Absolutely. So my final question, Chad, is if you could pick one word or phrase to describe the future of insurance, what would it be and why? So asking me to say something in one word or phrase is, is, is brave. I know. That's um, why I said why, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think if I had to boil it down to a to, to word or phrase, I'd say cautiously optimistic. I, I've started to see the changes. You know, I, I need to see a lot more. You know, that's why I do what I do is to help them, you know, help, help insurers make those changes. But I am cautiously optimistic. Great. Well, Chad, thanks uh, so much for your time today and giving your insights. I think that it's been an interesting last few years, and I am looking forward personally to the next three to five years, because I think we're going to see more change than we've seen in the last five. And I think it's going to be really positive change if carriers and reinsurers and everybody can really get on board to kind of um, accelerate in a new era of insurance. It'll be, it'll be pretty exciting, especially with our partnership. Well, I'm cautiously optimistic. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm always the optimistic one, and you're always the cautiously <laughs> optimistic one to get that balance. Uh, thanks uh, for your time today, Chad, and thanks for, for all that, you know, all the insights that you give out to the industry and, and for our partnership. Um, we're looking forward to uh, the coming years. Thanks, Denise. Appreciate it. Thank you.